Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, last Sunday, we began a series on the topic of prayer. We began a two-part series on prayer entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? And basically, we're looking at the, the, the issue of, you know, does God hear us when we pray? And if He does hear us, how does He respond to those prayers? And, and last week, we looked at Luke chapter 11, and we looked at a parable and an illustration that Jesus shared that basically encouraged us to, to ask, to seek, and to knock, that God wants us to bring our requests before Him in prayer. And then we saw that we should believe that God wants to respond to our prayers by giving us good gifts. Uh, we began our study of prayer last week with that passage in Luke 11, and we're going to continue it today by looking at Luke chapter 18 and seeing another parable that Jesus teaches about prayer. But before we open up and look at that passage together, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you again for this time. Father, I thank you for your love for us that we sang about earlier. I thank you that you have a plan that you are, are shaping into our lives. Father, the events that are going on around us, your word tells us that you are weaving them into our lives uh, to accomplish your good purposes. And Father, we, we just thank you for that because as we gather here today, uh, there are times that we don't feel loved and there are times that we feel as though our lives or the world around us are out of control. But we thank you that we can center back on your word and your truth that reminds us that much greater realities are at play. And Father, I pray that you would just illuminate your text this morning to help us to see and to understand a little more about how you want to communicate with us in prayer. And I pray that you would um, encourage us that even as the passage we're going to look at uh, encourages us, that we wouldn't lose heart, that we wouldn't give up when it comes to the issue of prayer because of the encouragement we're going to see in the passage today. Father, I pray that you would just uh, be all of our teacher today, that your spirit would illuminate the text. And Father, I pray that you would protect me from saying anything you wouldn't want said. But if I do say something that you wouldn't want said, Father, I pray that it would quickly be forgotten. But Father, anything that we share today that are your words and your truth, I pray that we would remember them, that we would believe them, and that we would walk forward in faith in them, that we might be shaped more into the image of your Son. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have been talking about this issue of prayer, we used last week the illustration of a phone, a cell phone. And uh, if you were here last Sunday, you know that we began the service by me asking you to get your phones out. I'm going to do that again. So if you've got a cell phone on you, just go ahead and get it out. And uh, let me see it. Kind of show it to me. There, there are less people moving this week. You were mindful that I was going to do something like this and you left it at home. But you got, you got your phone there with you. That's great. Um, and, and as you have the phone, I, I just want to remind everybody of an invention that has changed our lives. An invention that has changed our lives. And I don't mean just the cell phone. I mean something more specific than that. An invention that has changed our lives is caller ID. Caller ID has changed our lives, right? 
Uh, because if you'll open your phone and, and make it active and live and go to the missed calls section of your cell phone, right? Um, and you scroll through the numbers that are in there uh, on your missed calls. I, I'm, I, I don't know this f- for a fact, but I'm guessing that at least some of you in this room have some calls in there. Because you saw who was calling, you chose not to answer, right? And, you know, maybe it wasn't for malicious purpose. Maybe you didn't reject it thinking, I really don't want to talk to this person. Maybe it was, I really don't want to talk to this person right now. You were in the middle of a meeting. You were in the middle of something else. You didn't want to interrupt what you were doing to have another conversation. For whatever reason, though, you saw a call come in and you rejected it. But let me ask you this. If you see a call come in that you reject, and then 10 seconds later, the call comes back, same person. You reject it again. Did they not get the message? It's supposed to go to machine. Maybe they missed the machine. Maybe they hung up too early. You reject it again. If they call a third time within a span of a minute, are you going to answer the third call? Well, yeah, because you're thinking somebody must be dead on the other end of this call in order for three calls in a minute to make any sense at all. Because of the frequency of the calls... You decide to answer, and you decide to answer either because you think it must really be important or because you just want to have the person stop calling you, right? You're tired of your pocket vibrating, so you decide to answer the call. Uh, See, that is an experience that we've had, uh, many of us. I, I, I trust that I'm not the only one here who has ever had an experience that's something like that with a cell phone. But, but the reason why I share that today is because we're getting ready to look at a passage of Scripture today that seems to indicate at first reading, at first glance, that God's answers to our prayers, something like that experience. In other words, we pray to God, we say, hey, God, here's our request, and God says, not now. So we pray again, God, here's my request, he says, not now. We pray a third time, God, this is my request, is fine, I'll answer you just so that you stop asking. Believe it or not, there is a passage in Luke chapter 18 that at first glance seems to indicate that that's God's response to us in prayer. Well, it's important for us to look at that passage then, right, and see what it really means. Because waiting in prayer is a very significant thing for each of us. As we gather here today, waiting in prayer is something that's that's huge. We have all, I, I trust everyone in this room, has prayed for something for some extended amount of time and feel like you've gotten no answer. You've prayed for... Uh, the ability to have a child. You've, you've prayed for an illness to go away. You've prayed for a new job. You've prayed for a relationship to heal. You've prayed for whatever to happen. And you've prayed not once, not twice, not 10 days, not two weeks, but you've prayed a year. You've prayed three years. You've prayed 10 years. You've prayed 20 years. Whatever it is, you've prayed for some extended period of time for something. And you feel like you have not gotten an answer. Well, many times, if that's your experience, then we begin to get frustrated. We begin to get discouraged. We begin to want to give up in prayer and and to stop praying altogether because we feel like it must be ineffectual. It must not have anything to do with the reality of what's going on in my life because clearly it seems that God is rejecting our calls. And this is a problem for us because we are people who are living in an instant world. 
think about how frustrated we get when something delays us by two or three minutes. I was driving down I-35 South uh, on Friday, and I came, you know, there, there's construction on I-35. If, if, you know, maybe you're not aware of that, that they actually do construction on I-35. But, but I was driving south on 35, and there was construction out, and, and I, it was, began to slow down about Tecumseh. And I remember thinking, I've got to get out of here. We're, we're slowing to 20. I've got to get off the highway. I've got to you know, take a back road. I've got to get out of this because I can't have my life delayed by three minutes on I-35. Uh, when, when you fly, the same experience uh, occurs, right? Uh, they come on and they say, yeah, because of uh, terrible weather and the fact that if we fly, the plane would crash, we're going to delay our takeoff by 45 minutes. What do you do? Oh, my goodness. 45 minutes? You know, never mind that you're going from Oklahoma City to Los Angeles, a trip that would have at one point taken, you know, weeks or months to, to, to occur. You're going to get there in two and a half hours. You're, you're suddenly frustrated by a 45-minute delay. The reason why we are, are, are wired in an instant culture right now. And so if we get frustrated when we're delayed by 30, 40 minutes, three minutes, when we're delayed by, by minutes over things that aren't all that significant, how much more so are we going to be frustrated and discouraged when we're delayed by years over things that are essential to our hearts, our health, our family, our friends, the salvation of others, our marriages, whatever it is. This is a very important topic for us to look at in prayer because we wrestle with these issues. And God has not left us hanging on this issue. He gives us a, a, a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18 that talks about waiting in prayer. And we're going to look at it today. So if you've got a Bible, uh, take it out and open up to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. We're going to see today, can you hear me now, part 2, as we look at waiting in prayer. This is what the passage says. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect men. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect to cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so we have this passage that Jesus uh, speaks, this parable that Jesus speaks that talks about waiting in prayer. And it begins in 18.1 with him saying, now, he was, he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. We get the, the, the reason for why Jesus tells this parable. Because there is often a delay between our request and God's answer in prayers. And because there is a delay that we experience, we have a tendency to want to lose heart. We have a tendency to want to give up. Jesus is aware of that, so he tells us this parable. And in this parable, we, we see two things today. 
Uh, the first thing we're going to see is that there are two things that we need to keep when it comes to prayer. The first thing we need to keep when it comes to prayer is keep an accurate view of God's character. Keep an accurate view of God's character. Now, we see that unfold over the verses of this parable. And, and the parable is an interesting one because, really, there are two characters in the parable. There's the judge and there's the widow. And the judge would have had some jurisdiction over an area. This was a, a common scene in the ancient world. And, and this judge would have settled disputes and similar to the judges in our world, right? But they had even a little more power. And so this judge would have had some, some authority within an area. But an interesting thing about this judge is that the judge was said to not fear God and not respect men. Now, this sounds like a wonderful judge, right? Sounds like a great party guest. I mean, this sounds like a rough guy, right? This judge did not respect, fear God or respect men. And, and into this judge's courtroom, day after day, comes a widow. Now, in the ancient world, uh, widows were someone who were seen as the epitome of those in great need. Right? The widow was one without protection in a, in a male-dominated society. They were one without the ability to, to add provision to their families. And, and so there was some protection given to widows under uh, Jewish law. But, but there were those that would try to uh, exploit the widow in their time of need. And it appears that's what's happening in this situation. See, there, there was a widow who was coming to this judge asking protection from her enemy, asking for justice. In other words, there was someone within her midst who was going after her. And, and the kinds of things that might have been happening, Second Kings chapter 4 talks about a situation where there was a widow, and because of you know, the fact that she didn't have a husband, she didn't have a provider, and she didn't have a means of income, uh, had several people that she had become a debtor to, a creditor to. And, and these, these ones who had, had loaned her, her family money were now coming after her and were seeking to enslave her children in Second Kings chapter 4. They were seeking to take her property. And I think when Jesus tells this parable, he's thinking of a similar kind of situation where a widow was being attacked by someone in the community who was trying to take away what little she had, trying to take away her land, trying to take away her family. And the widow, seeing nowhere else to turn for help, goes before the judge day after day and asks for him to provide protection to her. And the judge, not fearing God, not respecting men, wants nothing to do with this widow. He says, no, no, go away, no, go away, no. But eventually, the judge says, you know what? If I don't do something, she's going to wear me out. As a matter of fact, he says uh, in, in uh, where is it exactly? He says, yeah, because this widow bothers me, verse 5, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. That, that phrase, wear me out, literally means if, if I don't do something, she's going to give me a black eye. She's going to keep poking me right there until eventually my whole eye is going to be black. And so I don't want that to happen. That would be embarrassing to me. And it, it's just going to be easier for me just to give this woman what she wants so that she'll leave me alone. In other words, the judge decides to help her not because of any noble purpose, but for a very selfish one. 
I don't want to deal with her anymore. So I'm going to give her what she wants. Now, what's interesting to me about the parable is that it's fairly transparent what the comparison is. It's fairly transparent that the widow represents you and I. The widow represents someone who would bring a request before God in prayer. The widow represents us because we, like the widow, have nowhere else to turn. For the things that, that, that matter most in our lives, we, we come to a point, either quickly or after a while, we realize we cannot affect the change necessary for this outcome. And so we have to find someone to appeal to who is higher than us, and, and we, we turn to God in prayer. And so we are the widow in the story. But what really seems troubling to us is that God in the story is the unrighteous judge. Isn't that bothersome? Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, is talking and compares God to an unrighteous judge. who continually receives these requests that are made of him. Now, now, why is it that Jesus would use this illustration? Why is it that Jesus would compare God to an unrighteous judge? Well, the reason why is a simple lesson in Jewish logic. See, common in Jewish arguments, uh, they would use things called lesser-greater arguments. In other words, if something is true of the lesser then how much more so will it be true of the greater? In other words, if an unrighteous judge will eventually respond to consistent requests made by a widow, how much more so will the God of the universe respond to the needs of his people? And, and, and that, that lesser, greater argument is very easily seen in the way that the judge is described. See, the judge is described as not fearing God or respecting men because those are two things which would motivate someone to help the widow, right? If somebody feared God, they would help the widow because God cares for those in need, right? God is the one who made provision within the nation of Israel for the, the, the widows and the orphans to be taken care of. God is the one who, who speaks frequently of the care of, of, of the widows and the fatherless. And so because of that, fearing someone who fears God would have a motivation to care for the widow as she comes into the courtroom. Well, if somebody who fears God would have a motivation to care for the widow, how much more so would God have a motivation to care for the widow? See the connection? Somebody who fears God would help the widow. How much more so would God help the widow? So obviously, if, if somebody who doesn't fear God would help him, how much more so would God help the widow? Same thing is true about respecting men. If somebody had a respect for mankind, they would want to help the widow out of, out of a concern or even out of pity. Well, how much more so would God, who describes people as his elect, how much more so would God desire to help those who are in need. See, it's a, it's a lesser versus a greater argument. Uh, and furthermore, Jesus underlines all of it at the end of the parable when he says that God 
will bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? In other words, he's not going to delay long to provide the justice that his people are asking for. So I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. You see, we go before God in prayer, and he wants to answer that prayer because he is someone who loves us. He calls us his elect. He wants to respond to our requests in prayer, and he wants to do so quickly. He doesn't want to delay long over them. That's what the passage says is true. That's the accurate view of God's character. But, but here's the story. Here's why that's hard for us. That's difficult for us because as we live out our lives, it seems as though we bring things before God in prayer and we don't get quick answers. We bring things before God in prayer and it seems like God does delay long over them. Let's talk, talk in a big macro sense first. Think about the, the nation of Sudan. Let's say that, that all of us were Christians living in the nation of Sudan in Africa. I read this week that 1.5 million Christians have died in the nation of Sudan uh, at the hands of persecution since 1984. 1.5 million since 84. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a lot of people. And think about that, 1984, that's 25 years ago. Well, I'm just guessing. I, I don't have, you know, the, the vantage point of hearing the prayers of, of everyone in the world. But I, I would guess that, that for 25 years... God's people, his elect in Sudan, have prayed for God to bring justice, have prayed for God to eliminate the uh, Muslim oppressors who are, are, who are, are killing them and their, and their brethren. For 25 years, those requests have gone up, and for 25 years, the persecution has continued. Uh, given that situation, it doesn't seem like God is responding quickly. And it doesn't seem like God is taking a short time delaying over the request. It seems like God is delaying a long time over the request from our perspective. You think about that in your personal life. The things that you have been praying for, the things that you have been regularly bringing before God and asking Him to work, that it seems like there has been no answer for some period of time. It doesn't feel like God has responded quickly, does it? doesn't feel like he's not delayed over the request. See, the difficulty with the passage is not what is stated there. The difficulty is our experience. Our experience feels as though God is delaying and we want the answer why. God, why are you delaying over this request? Is it because we haven't asked enough? Is it because you don't care? Why is it? Why are you delaying over this request? But see, God's Word corrects our view of, of, of who He is. God's Word corrects our view. He wants to give us an accurate perspective of who God is. And the accurate perspective is that when we bring our requests before God in prayer, He does not delay long over them, and He sends His response quickly. Sometimes we just can't see it unfolding in our world yet. You know, I, I'll give you an, an example of that. Uh, let's say that, that you go, all of us go to uh, grab lunch together after church at a nice restaurant. And we walk in and we say, we'd like a table for 500, please. And, and they say, okay, we'll be right back. And they go back in the back and, you know, we, we sit there for a little while, right? Uh, and, and, you know, when we sit on the other side of the check-in desk, we feel like, you know what, they have forgotten about us. 
You know, we, we've been waiting here 15 minutes. We've been waiting here 20 minutes. We've been waiting here 30 minutes. They, they're making no progress towards seating us. Uh, and and we, we feel like maybe, maybe we need to request it again. Maybe we need to go back and, and, and you know, get a second little light-up disc, you know, that'll, that'll let us know when the table's ready. Maybe we need to, to put it forward again because it doesn't seem like any action is taking place from our side of the counter. But think about what's happening on the other side of the counter. From the time we walked in and said, we'd like a table for 500, there was lots of action on the other side of that counter. Immediately, they started working and thinking, okay, when these people are gone, we're going to make sure they get their drinks. We're going to bring them their check a little early. We're going to push those tables together. We're going to do this. You know, for a table of 500, maybe they're going to add a tent out back. I don't know. But they're, they're doing all kinds of things on the other side of that counter to make preparations for our dinner. And it started immediately. It started quickly. They did not delay long over that request. Just in the perfect timing to get our tables ready, it took some time to get everything in place. And you know what? I think something similar is being said in this passage. I think that what God is trying to communicate to us in the passages, when we bring our requests before him, the, the God who, who is God, who does respect men, who calls us his elect, he receives those requests in, he doesn't delay long over them, and he quickly begins to set and plan his actions. We just can't see it yet. Many times that action is taking place on the other side of the counter. The first thing we need to have is an accurate view of God in prayer. And that accurate view, the passage tells us, is a God who wants to respond and who begins working quickly. But there's a second thing, and this is really where it gets to the application for us, a second thing that I think we need to see from the passage, and that's this. We need to keep the faith. We need to keep the faith. You see, in this passage... Uh, it begins in verse 1 and it ends in verse 8, giving us some clear direction about what this passage is about. It begins in verse 1, and we've seen this a couple of times already, but by telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. In other words, there is instruction in this parable that the goal should be that we would pray. We would pray at all times that we would not give up on praying. Jesus says that is the goal. But he, begin, he ends it in the second part of verse 8 by saying, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The, the overall context of this parable is, is in the midst of some teaching about the second coming of Christ, and that's why that kind of language is used. But, but, but the point is this, Jesus is saying, he begins the passage by saying that he wants us to pray, he ends the passage by giving us an admonition to have faith, and they sit as, you know, a bracket around the story that he just told. I think the, the, the point is this. Uh, prayer and faith are directly related. Prayer and faith are directly related. The, the, the point is that we are to pray and to continue to bring our request before God in prayer. Uh, it says in the passage that night and day we bring our request before him. We're to continue to do that, not so that we can give God a black eye, not so that we can wear him out. Not so that we can keep tapping him on the face until he does what we want. That's not the character of our God. We can't make him do anything. 
that he doesn't want to do. But we go before God consistently bringing these things in prayer day and night because it's an expression of our faith that he is the one who can do it and that he is the one who is already at work. Why would you pray for something for a week, for a month, for a year, for five years, for ten years? Would you do it so that God's arm would eventually be twisted hard enough that he would do what you wanted him to do? No. The reason why we pray over long periods of time is that our prayer points us to the object of our faith. Our prayer points us to God. It fuels our faith because it looks forward to the time when God's provision is manifest in the world around us. So when you think about the issues in your life that are are big issues, issues in your life that, that you maybe have given up praying for because you don't think God would answer. You've prayed too long, you think, about this issue. And you wonder if God uh, hears you now at all. Um, we need to, to, to pause and, and, and recalibrate why we're praying. We're praying to fix our faith on the one whose plan is already at work. And when we pray that way, we can make bold requests of him like we saw last week. We can, we can go and, and make our request of him. But we know that God's plan to give us fish and not snakes, God's plan to give us eggs and not scorpions, God's plan to give us his good gifts is already at work. And our prayer merely reminds us of that. And that's why we would pray day and night. Now, now here's the question. Are you praying day and night for the things that are troubling you right now? Are you bringing them before the Lord consistently in prayer? That's the intention. Are you bringing, before them, bringing them before the Lord in prayer with faith that God is already at work? You know, one of the things that can be really helpful in your prayer life, uh, just to encourage you to, to, to pray more, is to pray with someone else. Uh, you know, if, if you're a part of a, a small group that, you know, meets in homes or something like that, and you have the opportunity to, to share requests with each other, you have the opportunity to, to lift up those things together, and collectively, you can fix your, 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 your gaze on the accurate view of God that says God is already at work in this situation. You can remind each other of that on a regular basis. You know, if you're looking for a group, you haven't connected with a group that is praying like that. On Wednesday nights here at Wildwood, there's a group that prays right just outside that door. There's a room uh, number 227, and 7 o'clock, there's a group that prays in there on Wednesday nights. And you can, you can join them uh, in, in prayer. If you're interested in getting a list of requests that are the kinds of things that are being prayed for by our prayer team, uh, you can take an information card this morning and write your name and your contact information. Just put prayer list on it. And, and take it to the, to the gathering hall, to the check-in desk. We'll, we'll get you added to the list. But, but collectively, as you gather in prayer, it's an opportunity for us to bring those requests before God, to fix our gaze on Him. You can do that also as your family. Uh, you know, you can pray with your spouse. You can pray with your kids. Uh, and you can fix your gaze upon the one who is able to affect change. We're, we're the widows in this situation. He's the one who is able to affect change. 
One of the things we can do to encourage us to pray night and day is we can pray with others. Uh, but the second thing is that we need to pray with, with faith. Pray with faith that God is already at work. And, and here's just an, an encouragement towards that end. You realize that with most of the things that really bother us a lot, uh, our, our field of vision just isn't big enough to see where God might be working. You ever thought about that? And you think about um, something like a relationship. Well, in a relationship, just by definition, you have two people, right? And, and so you might be acquainted mostly with what God is doing in your life, but, but it's very difficult, if not impossible, for you to be acquainted with exactly what God is doing in the life of the one that you want reconciliation with. It's just hard to tell, right? Our vantage point is too narrow, and so since our vantage point is so narrow, since we, we only partially understand what's happening in our life, much less exactly what's happening in somebody else's life, we can get discouraged and say, God, you're not working. When in reality, God is doing more in our lives than we're aware, and God is doing things in their lives as well. See, we, we pray with faith that God is doing more than we can actually see. Same thing is true with illnesses. We pray and we're like, you know, I'm still sick. I've still got this chronic whatever that's going on. And, and it seems like nothing is happening. But, you know, our, 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 our field of vision is just too narrow. I mean, for, for all we know, God is refining our character through that illness as he did Paul with the thorn in his flesh. Uh, for, for all we know, God is delaying this healing for some other time. Maybe even for uh, the life that is to come, Right? Our field of vision is just too small. And so as we go before the Lord, consistently bringing our request to Him in prayer, we need to have faith that God is doing more than what we see. When we do that, we're freed up to bring our request to Him night and day. So we end just to we see your phones one more time. One last time, let's take a look at your cell phones. You know, when you have your phone and occasionally you, you, you make a phone call and you dial a number and you think you've dialed the right number, but in fact you've dialed the wrong number. And when you've dialed the wrong number, it's a frustrating experience, right? Because you're not completing the transaction that you picked up the phone for. And I think the reason why it's important for us to have an accurate view of God is that we need to know who it is on the other end that we're connecting to. See, if, if we believe that we need to continue to, to say a prayer over and over and over and over and over and over again to show God that we're serious, to, to twist His arm and doing what we want Him to do, to whatever, if that's our mindset in prayer, then frankly, we're dialing the wrong number. That's not an accurate view of the God that we serve. Instead, we can continue to pray things over and over and over again, but we do so as declarations of faith that God is who He is. And when that happens, then we're dialing the right number. Ask, seek, and knock, believing that God gives good gifts. Keep an accurate view of God and keep the faith in prayer. 
Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you that as we struggle with issues like this, that uh, we don't know exactly uh, why you're delaying, uh, from our perspective, your answer to prayer. Father, I, I pray that you would just give us the faith to believe that you are, have not delayed long over our request, and to give us the faith to uh, believe that you're already at work. Father, we long at times just to be able to peek behind the counter and to see what's happening, but Father, you have called us to be faithful, trusting uh, that the table is being prepared for us in response to prayer. And Father, I thank you, and I pray that you would help us to be men and women of faith here today. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.